Hey, it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. You know what's an important story? Is what is happening right now to our economy. You can call it managed decline. You can call it nationalization. You can call it destruction. You can call it socialism. If you think for all the years I've sat behind this microphone and in front of various TV cameras, starting with The Blaze, then CRTV, then Blaze TV, now Salem News Channel, that I was making it up, that what they were trying to do, what they are trying to do, is impose an American Marxist plan. You think I was making this up? I wasn't. If you read Road to Serfdom, if you understand that whether out of jealousy or spite or whatever motivated, European socialists began making their way into the United States well over 100 years ago. And without any other form of gainful employment, they made their way into the universities. This is not conservatives just lashing out. We get written off as lashing out at educated people. I I don't understand that. I put a high value on education. We need scientists. We need doctors. We need engineers. If you've never read, again, I evangelize it whenever I can. When I when I think one of the most unsung heroes of conservative thinking, well, the two most unsung here, Frederick Bastiat is one. But the other is Charles Percy Snow. I mean, everybody's heard of Ayn Rand. Everybody's heard of Hayek. Everybody's heard of Milton Friedman. Everybody's heard of Thomas Sowell, more contemporary in literature. Everybody's heard of Mark Levin, obvious radio host. But very few people have ever heard of Frederick Bastiat and Charles Percy Snow. And Charles Percy Snow wrote what I I would say, and and maybe even some C.S. Lewis in there, but a lot of people have heard of C.S. Lewis. Charles Percy Snow wrote, looking into the future at American academics, what I think is perhaps the most important indictment on American academia that you could find in a book called The Two Cultures and the Scientific Revolution. And what he pointed out was there's two types of people in academia, and he breaks them out into artists and scientists. Artists are people without verifiable, tangible standards. Scientists can prove success and failure. And his two greatest comparisons are the engineer, I'm sorry, the chemist, and the literary professor. Now, if the literary professor, literature professor, is wrong on the teaching of a book, grades the papers incorrectly, misreads the author, what's the worst that can happen, right? I've talked about this, the famous scene in the movie, have you ever seen the movie Back to School? Where... Rodney Dangerfield hires Kurt Vonnegut to write a term paper on Kurt Vonnegut, and he fails, and the professor says, whoever wrote this paper for you doesn't know the first thing about Kurt Vonnegut. It's one of the funniest, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But then he breaks out the world into scientists. He says, if an engineer builds a bridge, designs a bridge, and the bridge collapses, that's obvious failure. The chemist makes a compound that's not supposed to explode, and it does explode, you failed. And he worried aloud that in the near future, he wrote the book in the early 1950s, 
that American academia would be dominated by people with no standards. It's a very, very important book. If you've never read it, I'm telling you. And when people do read it of the times I've talked about it, they either reach out on Twitter, they call the program, they send an email, they say, thank you for telling me to read this book. I'm telling you to read the book. It's based on a series of lectures he gave after World War II. And the emphasis was that during, the, during World War II in American academics and British academics, academia, the engineers, the people capable of designing planes and ships and bombs, the people running the medical schools, were all folded into the military, the war effort, training doctors, training nurses, training battlefield medics. The Seabees, we build, we fight. The engineers were the ones going and teaching the Navy how to build these mobile bridges or how to quickly put down airfields. They weren't in the universities as much. And the track to university provost or president shifted from the sciences to the humanities. And what Snow worried about was that the humanities, largely without standard, would dominate American academia in the future and look where we are. But I love education. I love, I, I don't understand this disconnect between conservatism and education. We, we study. We study the Federalist Papers. We study the Constitution. We study ratification. We read the words of Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and George Washington. Rules for civility. We try to have a great understanding of how the Constitution works. And what we, you know, what we've also done, we've replaced self-discovery with the imposition of an indoctrination system. Students are coming out of business schools, going into corporations, completely unprepared to deal with supply, demand, logistics, marketing, personnel. Profit? Shareholders? They're coming into corporate America saying, we need more bisexual Asian handicapped people. And if we don't have enough bisexual Asian handicapped people, the whole company's going down. We have people leaving university law schools, Ivy League law schools, that don't know a damn thing about the Constitution. And when they meet somebody who didn't go to an, I didn't go to an Ivy League law school, put me on a stage, I'll debate anyone. When we point out, for example, there is no right to an abortion in the Constitution, they say, yes, there is. Well, where is it? Because a group of people have agreed that the sky is orange or that 89 cents is a dollar or 53 minutes is an hour does not make it so. But they claim it is. It's there. How is it there? The Supreme Court said it's there. Well, where did the Supreme Court get that authority? Well, they're the Supreme Court. Have you read Article 3? Have you read Article 1? Let's go with 1. There's no shared legislative powers. All legislative powers reside in the Congress of the United States. I'm not making this up. And then all powers not delegated to that Congress for legislation are reserved to the states. You don't need a heaven law degree to know that. And yet we're told, we don't know what we're talking about. They're smarter than we are. 
Because you conservatives don't like education. I love education. I teach my daughters every day. My son starts first grade in the fall every day, the importance of education. The importance of education. And of course, I've got a preteen who's distracted with her friends and she's into fashion now and all that. But I stress the importance of education. Because education is important. Education is empowerment. It's enlightenment. Having knowledge is the way we assert our, our rights, our liberties, an understanding of who we are as citizens of a republic. You want to talk about education? I can't stand it when I hear people say democracy. We're a republic. Uh, we're a democratic republic. Yeah, but you leave out the republic part all the time. I can't stand the phrase our democracy. Can't stand, can't stand it. The word democracy does not appear in the Constitution. The democratic process is different than a democracy. In a democracy, you only have rights if 51, 50 plus 1% agree with you. Nothing is inherent. You need a republic for civil rights and civil liberties and a firewall of the individual. Man, I started, this is like stream of consciousness stuff. I haven't even gotten into my first story. The Democrats are sinking the ship. This is not a series of unfortunate events that are happening around us. This is a plan. This is a design. The war in Ukraine has just been a nice cover for the media. The Democrats are choosing to end the economy as we know it. I'm going to throw this out there now before I get to my audio. I know Democrats listen to this program. Here's, here's two things I know. One, I know that you can't get enough of me. I think some of you Democrats listen to this program more than any other conservative. And two, you don't really listen to progress. I'm not trying to take a shot at my colleagues on progress. I think more progressives listen to Patriot than conservatives listen to progress. So I'll make this easy on you. While these people who are undoing the lifeblood of our economy, that's fossil fuel-based energy, the prices are rising, we're seeing the shortages, the effects are clear. I want to know why John Kerry needs a private jet. I want to know why anyone needs a private jet. If carbon output is poisoning communities of color, why does John Kerry need a private jet that puts out 300 metric tons of carbon dioxide a year? Tell me why. He's not a senator. He is not leading any federal law enforcement agency. He's not a military leader that must be able to be transported to a command with the snap of a finger. So why does John Kerry need a private jet? Why do celebrities need private jets? They're first-class accommodations on all commercial air carriers. Why do they need private jets? 
the people that want to take away your right to own private transportation that are driving up the cost of fuel and energy fly on private jets. Tell me why they need them. Just make it simple. Make it simple for us uneducated simpleton conservatives. Now I'm going to take my break. Then I'm going to get to audio. We're right. They're wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program, listen, listen to me carefully, cannot be broken. Sirius XM You can join me live on the Wilkow Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 east, 9 to noon west, on Sirius XM Patriot, channel 125.